Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. Thank you for joining us for this sermon. You can find all of our sermons at holycommunion.net and our Facebook, YouTube, and podcast channels. Consider hitting like or subscribe. Consider sharing this sermon with others. It helps us to reach more people like you. We are so thankful to those who support our ministry. You can give today at holycommunion.net backslash give. In the name of the broken and yet still risen one, amen. Please be seated. This is one of my favorite stories in all the Gospels, this road to Emmaus story. And it comes at this time when we're maybe on a little bit of a letdown after the brass of Easter and the baptisms last week and the intensity of church. But it's one of my favorite. It seems simple. It hinges on this one question. What do you see? What do you see? And this is a story of the times we fail to see God right in front of us. This is a story of how we miss the blessing right before our eyes. And it's a common story, even for followers of Jesus, maybe especially for us. And this is a story of how we learn to open our eyes. The disciples knew the Lord Jesus in the breaking of the bread. What do you see? And the question really begins early in the reading that we had today. There's this troubling line in the passage, one that really does not resolve easily. Luke tells us they were prevented from recognizing him. That sentence has an object, but no subject. Who, what did the preventing? Was it God who prevented them from seeing Jesus? I don't think so. I think it's, there's a better case here for social pressure. And these disciples are following common wisdom. Everyone knows the dead stay dead. Cleopas and this other disciple, they don't believe the women. They don't believe Peter, who says he saw an empty tomb. They don't believe the supposed words of the angels. They know what society tells them they must believe. And Jesus responds, and this is the kicker. Uh, This is where I think the whole passage hinges. And it's something that our original language in the gospel loses in our translation. Is because Jesus doesn't actually say, oh, you have dull minds, as the Common English Bible put it in the reading Chester read. Jesus doesn't actually say that. Listen to what Jesus says. It surprised me this week. Jesus says, how slow are your hearts? Cardia in Greek. That changes the passage, doesn't it? What is keeping these followers from seeing what is right in front of them is the slowness of their hearts. And I I need to give a caveat. In the New Testament Greek, our division between heart and mind, it it wasn't so clear. In our postmodern world, we tend to think about a voice in our heads, don't we? We tend to uh, physically locate uh, our thoughts among the neurons of our brain. And ancient Greeks didn't think that way. The the ancient Greek linguistics didn't have that distinction. Thoughts came from the heart just like feelings. Interestingly, in Hebrew, it's even more complicated. Do you know where you think from in Hebrew? 
your gut, right? So all of this is to say that for Jesus and his followers, this division between thinking and feeling, it wasn't so clear. Their inmost thoughts, they believe, came from a bit lower in their bodies. And the word cardia, it can mean poetically what we mean with heart. It can also mean mind. It can also mean soul. So Jesus is saying to them, catch up. Change your mind, move your heart, move your soul. Don't just let society tell you what to believe. Open your eyes, but first open your hearts. This has been a painful week in Missouri, hasn't it? Again, our state made national headlines for all the wrong reasons. This week in Kansas City, a black teenager was shot for ringing the wrong doorbell. It wasn't the only story of someone using a gun on a person who came to the wrong house or the wrong driveway. But in Missouri, the story hit home because a black teenager didn't encounter the help he needed, but a gun. Too common of a story in our state. This has been a painful week. Our attorney general issued a regulation which, if implemented, would make our state the most restrictive in the country when it comes to health care for trans youth and adults. And several of us in this congregation have gone to Jeff City this season. We've heard Christians with painfully slow hearts testifying that they can't believe what the doctors and parents and trans youth are telling them. This language from Jesus, how slow are your hearts, it's been helping me this week. In all honesty, I'd, I'd invite you to go into your bulletin and cross out that dull minds line. Change it to slow hearts. Because it's too easy for me to believe that my fellow Christians are slow of mind. <laughs> to call them ignorant or stupid or backwards. You've probably done that too. It's satisfying, but frankly, it's not helpful. Right? It, doing so, it doesn't really help. As best I can from here on out, I'm, I'm going to try to use this slow of heart. Because it names what's really going on. It's less clear. It, it doesn't allow me to distance myself, to think of myself better in the same way. We privilege intellectualism in this congregation for sure, in this country. I'm going to try to use slow of heart. Because what's happening is that people are failing to recognize what's right in front of them. Christians are failing to open their hearts, to love their neighbors. Gosh, I wish Christians weren't so well known for being slow to love. As you get to know the LGBTQ plus community in this state, you see so much love. On Friday, there were a few of us from the congregation at an art build in response to all that is going on. And there were LGBTQ families, and it was just, and Silas was running up and down this skate ramp with a bunch of kids, and it was just so clear how much love there was in that room. Depth and humor and resilience, too. As I've gotten to know some of the trans kids in our community, I've seen so much bravery and tenacity and hope. 
In another gospel, Jesus tells his followers they will be known for their love. And I have to say, in this state, too often I see so much more love, so much more acceptance, such wider hearts among LGBTQ plus people and their allies than I do among those Christians who would exclude them. The church has got to play catch up. And you'll not be surprised there's an ask here. Uh, this week, a group of interfaith clergy, we got together to figure out how we were going to respond. And we decided that we were done giving so much airtime to slow-hearted members of our government in Jeff City. With all that has happened, with all of the attacks, we need to turn toward the LGBTQ plus community. So the clergy are starting to raise money for a media campaign. I'm designating our cash offering today. You can write a check and put LGBTQ plus media in the plate if you want. You can go up online to holycommunion.net backslash info and read more. Make a donation online. And if you do, you're, you're going to be second in line because we had already a number of members of the Jewish community that have donated. Their services were a day earlier, so they had an advantage. <laughs> but, but we're imagining billboards and yard signs and social media posts, all with messages to trans and gender expansive and LGBTQ plus Missourians saying, you are healthy, you are strong, you are beloved. Because we need to respond to hate with love. We need to respond to slow heartedness with open heartedness. And for those of us who are Christian, this story of the walk to Emmaus is one I think we need to come back to again and again. And we do. And because when we come to this table, we bless bread and break it and share. And we do that, Episcopalians, every week. Because frankly, I think we are honest and we know we need practice. Christianity is a faith that seeks to find the sacred in the mundane. Our central symbols on their own, they really don't look like much. If you think about it too hard, you realize we are a people who gather to celebrate babies taking a bath. We are people who read together from a book and we share bread. What could be more commonplace? I've celebrated Eucharist with beautiful handmade loaves of bread, so pretty that I almost didn't want to tear it. But for Christians, bread is just bread until it's broken, until it is shared. We tear our central symbol open. We break the perfect. And what may at first seem broken is more whole because it has been broken open. The disciples know the Lord Jesus in the breaking. Being a Eucharistic people means finding God in the crumbs of life. We practice coming here and looking for Jesus to show up in the most mundane act you can imagine, sharing a meal. Now, we try our best as Episcopalians to hide the ordinariness of the holy, right? We wrap the table in silk and gold. We dress it up. Jean spends time ironing, right? We, 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 we cover it up a bit, but if you scratch that surface, there's no hiding. Our faith asks us to practice seeing God in the simplest of substances, 
and in the breaking open. There should be no room for Christians to pretend that there can be a perfect. We say that this act helps us to remember how Jesus' body was broken open for us. We are the people with a wounded Savior. We are the followers of a scarred God. Perfection, Christians know, is a myth. God is found in all that is broken, all that is torn, all that is crummy. This is because God is God. And Jesus is very human. Jesus asks us to practice breaking. The Eucharist is a practice which should teach all of us who are slow of heart. Because each week we have to share Jesus. There's no VIP line in this church. Could you imagine? There's no first class meal. Everyone gets the same Jesus. And I'm grateful to celebrate the sacrament in a church like Holy Communion because too many churches are full of people who all look the same. Have you ever been in one of those churches? Yeah, there's too many churches that look, everybody looks the same when you go there. And here, that's not the case. Here I get to say the body of Christ to young and old. The body of Christ to people from every letter of the LGBTQIA plus alphabet. I get to say the body of Christ to rich and poor and middle income. The body of Christ to black, white, multiracial, biracial. Each week I say the, the body of Christ to women and men and non-binary folks, to Spanish speakers, el cuerpo de Cristo, same thing. They hand over a wafer and say to neurotypical and neurodiverse and able-bodied and disabled people, the body of Christ. To Democrats and undecided folks, communists and Green Party, and heck, even the Republicans. <laughs> the body of Christ. We all hear the same words. We all eat the same bread. Our faith isn't about wishing away diversity. Here we practice knowing in our hearts that all our differences somehow fit within the love of God, which gathers us in one body. And we come back to this church week after week, and we try to let our too slow hearts catch up to the wide love of God. Ours is a faith that wants to help us see. We practice seeing God in the everyday stuff of life, in what is broken and shared. Each week we practice seeing Jesus in our neighbors, even those our hearts have been too slow to love. And if you stick around church long enough, it's not just going to be categories of people your heart has been too slow to love. It's going to be individual people. It's going to be individual stories. That's the radicality of this table. It asks us to see Jesus in the people that make us mad and make us frustrated. It's about reconciling on the most basic level. We even call our church Holy Communion because we're so committed to this practice, this practice which is hope, hopes to help us see. Now my prayer for us this week, Holy Communion, 
is that our eyes may not be kept from seeing God right in front of us. And my prayer each week is that Christian slowness of heart doesn't keep anyone from recognizing God's love. Amen.